16. I don't know. I feel that 16 is a very uh, rebellious time. It's a very rebellious time. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of give that. That, that rich dad, poor dad book. And then. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> it became a cult. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was instantly I was like, screw this system, screw this <laughs> system. And then. Hello guys, Mizzy um, Smile here. Welcome back to the BBB show, Brands, Business and Brunch. So um, today is a, it's a rather special episode. We have literally Jeroji from Website Artisan joining us for today's uh, podcast episode. Back to my show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go in. We are actually doing uh, some sort of a collaboration. Uh, between Website Artisan and UD Asia. So... We're sharing footages because we're right. lazy yeah. like that. Okay, cool. Okay. So, right. a little Let's bit of it. background of Unlimited Design Asia. They are Malaysia brand consultants. And these guys, what these guys, these guys do is they make your business, your new business or your existing business larger than life. They do all this branding strategy. They do all the visual aspect of things and they also do your social media because guys in business perception is everything so let's not get more on that i want to know how did this whole thing started like are you guys because what i know mizi mizi himself is again it's funny how a lot of people who i've interviewed they don't have the business background they took a degree that is completely non-business dude tell people like when does it, like, what take the new that say, hey, screw this engineering stuff, let's try business? Just a little bit of a backstory. Not that I say that, you know, like, screw this engineering stuff. <laughs> in a way, I was actually, like, you know, uh, screwing myself when back in uni. I was uh, doing uh, chemical engineering, right? And then um, I, I kind of realized uh, halfway through that I know I... I I know that engineering is not really uh, my strength. So in uni, I sort of have this, um, I start to think of a backup plan. Uh, long story short, uh, right after graduation, I, um, I immediately was offered a job with one of this um, interior design company. I was working with them for like a year. But, you know, in that span of one year, I kind of realized that, you know, this is not really for me. Partly because I feel that, you know, I'm not really uh, fulfilling my full potential. Hence why, after one year, I decided to quit and, like, you know, just, uh, you know, start doing um, design, like freelance um, graphic design. And now we are in 2019, and here we are in our, you know, humble small office, <laughs> right? Uh, a little bit of background about this company. So this is a brand consultant that have you guys have impressive portfolio. Like these guys got to serve banks like RBC Oil Bank of Canada, and then also you've got companies from Singapore, and you have, if I'm not mistaken, a toy store, a chocolatery. Dude, yes, impressive man. Okay. So thank you so much. The people that we have here definitely know something that. I myself probably don't know in terms of how do you secure these big, big clients. So, if I'm getting you right, 
in uni, there was no slight intention like, hey, let's try business. Or it's just because like, hey, I'm graduating soon. What am I going to do with my life? Let's, I don't know, try business. All right. Okay, let's... Which um, one was it? Was it... Let's just, you know... Try yeah. or... Oh, all right. I think you've always had um, like an inclination towards um, having a business, even since in uni. I think you've always had that. Right. Okay, I, I think we shared this um, in our previous podcast, so please, you know, check out our previous podcast, guys. <laughs> so, alright, so here's the thing. Um, alright, before, um, before uni, I, um, I had this idea with, uh, you know, one of my best friends, uh, Faisal. So, um, we wanted to start a t-shirt, uh, t-shirt business. Part of the reason why is because, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm looking for like a certain type of design which I couldn't find. So um, I decided to you know ask my cousin to teach me how to, to use the uh, Adobe Photoshop software. So from that little incident, you know I have like a little bit of uh, experience in designing using the the software. So in uni, uh, Faisal and I we actually started a t-shirt printing business, whereby that particular skill of designing uh, actually helped us you know, in the business because well someone has to design. Right, so um, I guess in uni we we kind of uh, we kind of had like you know a bit of a small business going on, uh, and it only lasted till uh, right after I think before graduation. Yeah, right before we graduate, then we, we decided to. Uh, and this business was making money. It was making money, and and, and as a student at a point of time, you know, like you know, you're making a profit of like let's say I mean not much, like probably like what five hundred, six hundred. You know, so yeah, I mean, for a for student, yeah. for, for me, you know, yeah. in particular, it was quite a lot. And, you know, um, and it's pretty easy, you know. How did they brainwash you? Because for me, the moment I start making money, I start questioning all this, like, oh, what the hell, I have to work so hard for this much of money. How does that? Okay, funny thing is that I never feel that it's hard. That's, that's why I, I feel that, like, damn, you know, like, it's so easy to actually, you know, make money. You because know, it came sort of yeah. naturally to you, so you sort of felt like um, mm. it's a sort of a second nature. So you didn't feel like it was work, but rather you're enjoying yourself whilst making an income um, on the side. Yeah. The time. Right. But what, what was it like for you? Yeah. What's your story? Yeah. What's, what was it like for you? For me, for me, it's funny because I was in my head for five years and finally decided like, hey, let's do something. Right. On my second year in uni. Uh huh. So I'm gonna cut the long story short. I met a friend. He's I don't know whether the listeners or you guys have read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So <laughs> I think every business owner right. has that. So yeah. I met a friend whose father was the rich dad. Okay. And 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 and, and this guy was just a doctor back then. A private doctor who owns a private clinic. And now he owns a few bunch of hotels, four star, five star hotels. And throughout his son, his son was the one who started implanting that seed too. Because at that point we were, you know, from four, from five, he like, dude, you feel bored going to school every day, like, not really knowing what, is, what are you doing in life. Right. And then after that, he had me reach that for that book. Oh, he actually gave you that book. It's like, dude, you gotta read this thing. Uh, 
Like how how old were you? I think from four. Sixteen. You're sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. I don't know. I feel that sixteen is a very uh, rebellious time. It's a very rebellious time. <laughs> and then you know, it's like you know, you kind of give that that. That rich dad, poor dad book, and then yeah, that, <laughs> it became a cult. Like yeah, yeah. It, it was instantly I was like, screw this system, screw this <laughs> system, and then I start rebelling. Of course, from there I start making it apparent to my family that. It, because they have always wanted me to, my dad always wanted me to follow this path. Right. Engineer. And I thought after reading this book, this business thing is quite fun. Okay. So, but the whole, but the problem is that I've, in my family, in my whole family tree, nobody has ever run a business. Oh, and that's okay. where I get stuck. Okay. I would read, I would go to all these seminars, get all hyped up with this, you know. Right. Mental masturbation, they call it. Masturbation <laughs> yeah. But w- were you a good student at that point of time? Like, oh, yes. how, how was your grade? <laughs> I was, I and mean, I'm bragging here, uh, I was one of the school top students. Nice. But uh-huh. it all changed the moment I started Which reading the book. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? Right. Maybe this thing is not for me. Uh-huh. It was crazy to a point where like, there was one time we had this exam, SPM trial. Mm. I went in the hall, sat down, didn't even open the paper in front of my desk, took up the toilet book, and started reading it. <laughs> oh my god, rebellious yeah. child. This yeah. is like a major like F U to like everyone <laughs> Correct. in the hall. Correct. Got to the attention of my parents. My mom came home, I remember she slapped me like what the hell are you thinking? And yeah, that's 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 how it all started and then from there. I guess when you put your head into something. I know I had to figure out this business thing. It took me five years to actually make my first money. And to me when I first like for you it was easy. For me when I first made some money, uh-huh. it felt like shit. Finally, after so long. Like, uh, like it happened. Like I grew up asking money from people is such a difficult thing. Like it's a taboo, like Mm-hmm. Maybe some of you guys are listening here who've always been handed money. Trying to ask people for money is something that is very foreign to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how we started. Uh, right. Okay, so I mean, alright, so back then, uh, Form 4, is it? It was being, uh, Correct, form 16. Four? 16, like, I mean, you, I mean, you were a good student. It's until that, that you know, that um, like when you were handed that book, Correct. that's when you start like this, you know, Basically, the, the book kind of like masked your head, mm-hmm. and then you, know, you kind of like. Featuring was in the cult. <laughs> right. <laughs> the rich dad, poor dad. Oh, okay. well, you know. I mean, do you, do you actually read the book? I mean, I read I the did, book, but right? I did it in college. I think it was during the first year. Okay. And I think every business owner should read the book once. But during me, college time. Uh, yeah, during college time. <laughs> yeah. During college time, not, not during like high school. Puberty. <laughs> <and> trying, <laughs> yeah, not during puberty where you're trying to mess up, you know, SPM or whatever. <laughs> do your exams, finish your school, guys. So don't. Don't do a featuring <laughs> But it, he turned out well. I mean, you can't, it's one in a million, but you know, finish your school at least, at the very least. But for me, to be honest, um, my, for the most part of my life, I've never really thought about having um, a business of my own. I've always sort of been traditional in a sense that, um, okay, I've always wanted to work for a bank or um, uh, work for a bank or become a TV producer or something, you know, work for somebody. Never in a million years um, thought would have my own business, despite the fact that my dad um, did have um, his own um, business, but smaller businesses, but he did have 
have his own businesses. But and then one day, this was during um, I think the final paper during Nottingham. It was the final paper, final day um, ever, and then it was graduation, right? Suddenly, I had this um, change of perspective. I don't know if it was because of you, or it was because of you know maybe because Mizzy was keep on you know telling me about how much he wanted to have a business of his own. Right. But right after I came out of the exam rooms, and I just felt, now what? Do I just go and apply? At that point of time, I've already applied for a few banks wanting to work for them. Right. Allow me to start with yes. it. I want to give some context to the listener. Mm-hmm. If you guys are wondering, Mizi and Fahada are husband and wife. So. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, we just got married two months ago. All so right, they met in yes. uni. And just a little context there. Right. Which we covered um, in our previous episode of the podcast. So yeah, so back to your story. Yeah, so yeah. it suddenly changed, and I wanted to do, uh, to build, you know, something for myself. And imagine suddenly changing your ambition, not knowing where to go. And I was sort of um, wanted to start my own business, but I didn't know what it was. So I was just looking for a place to just hop on, you know, sort of become a leech to whatever that was going on. And it so happened that a few friends of mine started a sports apparel um, um, business. And uh, my sister wanted to start an accounting services company. So I had two things that I could sort of, you know, jump, jump onto. So I went with my sister first, but then I realised I hated accounting. I hate bookkeeping and all of this. So I decided to quit and after, I think, maybe three months, four months. And then I joined Malmstrom. Um, uh, it was a sports apparel company, so I joined them. And then things were looking up. We had good suppliers, we had good stocks. We had a great launch, launching event. Fitri, fun fact, Fitri <laughs> was even our ambassador at the time. Um, yeah, and then basically the, it's, a, it's a story of its own, but eventually Malmstrom sort of um, didn't really take off. Um, it's not because it failed, honestly, it's because it never even started. Right. But um, to me, at that point, it just sort of became like this sort of toxic thing. Um, and we weren't making money. And then one day, Mizzy came up to me and said, hey, I've got this um, business from Singapore and I need, uh, I'm going to design some stuff for them and they need a, a business plan. So why don't you join me on the project and we'll do it together and we can charge them so much more. So I said, all right, I, need, I needed the money. And Mastron was not making money and I was bleeding um, the sort of the savings that I had, you know, how every kid has tabung haji. So I was bleeding that money. So I joined in on that project and um, I guess eventually the project went quite well and eventually we started, we officially registered the um, UD Asia, the entity and became a proper business and um, I realised that I couldn't do Malmstrom alone anymore because I felt like sort of everyone was waiting for me to do something but right. it, it was just overwhelming, you know, being young. And uh-huh. So I just quit on Malmstrom and then continued on with um, Right. So you guys actually started your own business before you guys cross path and, 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 and actually fail and close some of them and eventually this is what it is now, UD Asia. So what have you guys learned from all these businesses that you from? Because I like you guys also when you were young, you think that you can start five businesses at one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so true. And, and have that, you know, CEO of... Da, 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 yeah. <laughs> you think it's cool. You Correct. were in business to be cool. Yeah, I know what that means. But it's not. But it's not. So yeah, what what, what the biggest lesson that if you guys were to tell our young listeners, 
Okay, so you think I'm first. I think that I mean there's a lot of um, lessons that uh, you know I would love to share. Keep it to just one. Right, okay, fine. On top of my head, mm-hmm. right now, uh, I would say that it um, it's a very humbling experience. It really teaches you how to be humble. Right. I mean compared to back then where I feel that, you know, um, I have to be like the face of the of the company, you know, that you know, whatever success that you know that we had, you know, like you know, people uh, I would want people to credit me for that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Along the way, I kind of realized that you know, you know, being—I mean, having that uh, feeling of people, you know, like praising you. I mean, it—it it, it, doesn't—it doesn't pay the bills, right. right? So right now, I I have this mindset that it doesn't matter like who it is, right? Um, as long as you know, if that person is doing something that is beneficial, um, for the business, then yeah, it's okay, All right? Like let's say for for now, like you know, since we already started our podcast, that you know, right now I'm trying to like shift. The um the angle towards Fahada because she's uh, so much better when it comes to audio and video. She's right? the wife. Yes. Why? Yeah. And yeah. So I guess it's it's um, uh, you know, in order for you to grow, you have to identify uh what's your strength and what's your weaknesses, mm-hmm. and you know, especially if you're the founder and you wanna and the leader of the company. So I think that's a very is that what you're saying? I'm gonna cut <laughs> this one. <laughs> How about you, Vada? For me, the biggest one that I've learned so other than the humbling experience, for me is that for anyone that wants to start a business, I think if your reason to start a business is number one because you don't want to work for someone, or number two because um, you think it makes a lot of money, and because number three, this is I know it happens quite a lot because I know that at one point I felt like this as well. You wanted to start a business because it feels glamorous. Because it's cool. Oh, so young. You've got a business going on. Such a young mind. You just wanted that praise. You know, you wanted to be the face of success. But you forgot the fact that if you have your own business, you will also be the face of failure as well. So I think if you're going to start a business, you need to find a bigger reason um, other than just glamour, you know, money and not wanting to work for someone because otherwise you will get exhausted super quickly and I've seen it happen many, 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 many times. Glamour doesn't pay the bills, guys. (laughs) It doesn't pay the bills, guys. Yeah. That's the biggest lesson. What about you? For our our listeners. (laughs) For me, it's... What have you learned so far, right? Yeah. 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 Biggest lesson. On top of your head right now. Like, whatever it is. Okay, my biggest lesson is <laughs> it has to be something that you're willing to do for free, man. Mm. Because right. I've started stupid, stupid business, drone company, cat company. I did t-shirt business. Oh, cat, 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 cat topi. Cat topi. Oh, yeah. like no, okay, okay. And 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 when things get tough, because it's not something that I'm really passionate about, uh-huh. I would just you know what, this is not. Yeah. And all this while, I've always been, you know, having this passion. Oh, you know, let's just design a good website. I never really wanting to make the business out of that. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I realized, shit, that's your calling. That's your shit. Like you don't mind doing this. You don't mind not getting paid. And when I started to really think of it as a business, then, like you said, it's not. It's a humbling experience. It's not easy, guys. It's not. A lot of you guys may have this perception that business is this, you know, I'm in this nice co-working space with my cup of Starbucks, my MacBook, mm. with all this fast yeah. internet shit. But when the, the real business is, dude, it's you with your shorts 
on the table at Ruang Tamu at your living room, trying to reply that email, trying to draft that proposal at 3 a.m. in the morning, and to wake up at 6, and the day go meet client, go back only to figure out, okay, I get this much people, so what now? So this is what most people... Like, it's, it's, it's easy to go out there and meet people and do all this talking, do all this talking, appearing larger than life, but the hard thing is actually to actually do the freaking work, like, to write that email, to write that proposal, to do your thing. To even get the appointment, you know? Correct, to, to do the thing 100%, because I feel like a lot of people, when we do all this marketing, we go all in, and we get the leads, we get the project coming in, we get the customer, we just give them a 70% work, right? Mm. Then we just don't push them as hard. Uh, as fast as we can and collect our money and then just find other customers. One thing that I realized that until you get to a point where you, everything that you do, every client that you serve, you give it your all, I always tell this to my people that it's the compounding effect will happen. Mm. It's tough to really do your, like, to, to pay every tiny bit of details to everything, to every client. When all I want to do is just, you know what, deliver, collect money, deliver, collect money, deliver, collect the money. But if you can do your work 100%, right. the compounding effect will just, one kind will bring you three, that three will bring you six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the catch is time, guys. Like, it's not something that, yeah, it's easy to just say for me, I can build a shitty-ass website, deliver in a day, collect my money, and find someone else. But this is where the game everyone is playing. Like, I want to move as fast as I can get as much client as I can, deliver, they call it scalability, find a scalable product. Yeah, if you're up for that game, by all means. Mm-hmm. But I truly believe that when your product is good, people will bring other people and you feel good about yourself because you are delivering your best. Yeah. Right. I struggled that during the first few, few months when I started my business, it was just, you know, like any other businesses, get the client, deliver as fast as you can, collect the money, and bye-bye. But now, I would say the real satisfaction happens when you know you gave your best, you build a friendship with that client, that you know that outside that business transaction, there's a proper relationship being formed, and that's when the real magic happens. That's when this guy would, hey, come over to my house, I have this open house. There, he start calling. Recommending me, hey guys, this is my website developer. He built such an amazing job. Next thing you know, you go back home, five, six people calling you, hey, I want a website with you because that is not. Oh, that sort of applies to us as well because we're friends and we're your clients as well. Correct. So, yeah. yeah, And we've been spreading. We've been like telling. We've been spreading to people how our website development is amazing. And yeah, I think that makes sense as well. A sincere relationship with your client. They're not just a sort of a money bank for you, but more of a, hey, they have a problem that you can help solve, and then you have a problem that they can help solve by you know, spreading out your company as well. So right. it's sort of like a one-to-one offering where they provide value for you in terms of money and recommendation, and then you provide value for them in terms of solving their problems. It's okay. a hard thing to, con- I mean, to yeah. conceptualize because you want money as a business owner. You that want money as fast as that, you can, yeah. as much as you can, more client as you can. But yeah. when you trying to go in too fast, then your job is just gonna be a bare minute, like bare effort job. And I truly yeah. think that you've got only one shot mm-hmm. holding the microphone and saying, "Hey, here's my product." Mm. The moment you reach someone, then your job is just 
you know, I'm pretty sure you've been there, mm. you inquired for a service, you did it, and then once the thing happens to me, like, ah, this is it, like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from there, you're like, okay, bye bye, like, you just Beat erase, like, yeah, like yeah. no more business with you. And that's when people, like, yeah, I started business, and then after three months, no customers, like, I that's, that's, it, yeah. like, that's it. Like I guess it kind of ties back to the, the, the you know that your initial point that you know if you think that if, if there's something that you that you feel you can actually do it for free, yeah. yeah because yeah. let's say that you know you are actually you know doing whatever you're doing. I mean you are working, but you know that for the next two three months, okay, let's say that you know you do. I mean you won't be getting any clients, but you still actually do it. Mm. Yeah, I think that is probably one of the key uh, indicators. To indicators to, whether yeah. you know that you're meant for it or not. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because right. if money was the only motivation that you had, then you would have given up right. so much. The moment faster. when yeah. you don't have any. The moment that you don't have any, that's when you start um, finding other jobs, you know, right. and things like that. So yeah, you, you get easily demotivated when it comes to that. Right. Yeah. So I guess yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 probably man. Yeah. I mean, I can I slowly I can realize uh, or say. You know, uh, really understand. You know, when when Gary uh, Vaynerchuk mentioned uh, something about, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you actually want to do. You want to work or you want to run a business. Yeah, at the end of, at the end of the day, you know, as long as whatever you're doing, you know, it actually makes you happy. Just then, don't complain. Whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. I mean, there's no such thing as people who are working so much safer than people who are in business, or people who are in business are so much more successful than people who are working for someone. Whatever it is that you do, don't just don't complain, guys. Do what you want to do, and then I you guess if you, then. yeah, if you complain, then, then it defeats the purpose of like doing whatever it is that you're doing. But I've got a question for you guys. Since you you've all been in business for like a few years now, like, I suppose. Do you guys get that that imposter syndrome? You know, where you feel you sort of haven't achieved enough. But in all honesty, when you take a look at your past work. Your you know history and whatnot. You you realize that you've actually made, <laughs> yeah you basically you've actually made like a lot of progress. Oh right, I don't know for, like for me because uh, I don't know like I, I feel sometimes you know when I when I open my laptop and then I see the uh, when I check out the, the folder and where you know I listed down all the the the, the past projects that we did. So sometimes you know when I look at it, I'm like oh you know like not bad you know we actually you know when we did some work we have a bank. Which is like amazing, and then you know we did um uh I would say like a variety of uh, businesses, but at the same time you know sometimes you do, I don't know I have this voice in my head saying that like dude you've been in business for like two and a half years two years ago like is, is that is, is that, that it, it? Is yeah that so yeah. I mean that is one of the, the the issues that I mean even until now I I'm still trying to um uh trying to uh, eliminate or try to quiet down the uh, that voice, mm-hmm. uh but I realize that um the the most effective way for me. To quiet down that 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 negative voice in my head is by working because you know when when you are for me you know when I'm busy working like learning about video editing or you know learning about like, new strategies about you know, social media for example that you know I you know I can't seem to hear that voice or the, that vo- that particular voice just like disappear so for me that is the key you know as long as I keep you know working and working working you know yeah that's yeah. for me what about you. I think I think I think everybody struggles with that. Be it you're in business or you are working, working for people or not working for people. Like, yeah. Everyone feels that they're not good enough until correct. Yeah, like, if you take a look, take back at what they've achieved. Yeah, and 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 
I would say part of it is because how we grew up. Mm. We in the Asia one. I mean, in Malaysia, my parents like it is not something that is being cultivated to 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 you know like when you do something good like people cheer up for you like hey you deserve this you're yeah. doing so well. It was rather I would say. Good job, but because of that, you never feel like growing up. You never felt like you're enough. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you know when you were younger, I mean, you, you mentioned that you were a top. I mean, you were what amongst the uh, the top tops, the top students in school, right? So you know, whenever you get like like good results, you know, um, does your father say that hey, you know, congratulations, good Nothing, job, man? Yeah, I, okay. I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's a bad thing because okay, I know how you feel because yeah. my my dad's like that as well. Yeah, but you can't really blame that. I mean, I, I'm not blaming my dad for being like that. You know, maybe it's it's a it's a gen- yeah, it's a generation gap as well. I don't know, but um, yeah. Sure. I mean, do you guys get bad beatings if you were to fail back in school? I know, I never. For me, because if, even if I didn't get you know compliments, if like let's say I get straight A's. <laughs> Good results and whatnot. My parents didn't really compliment him. Hey, good job, well done. Here's a candy. Not so much on that, unless you have, it was like a really big achievement, like you get a top student of the country or something. Then you, they'll get you something if you ask for it. But even if I fail, they never make a big deal out of it. So I sort of knew I was preconditioned to understand that failures happen, mm-hmm. and then it's okay that you fail. You just you know figure it out, fix it, and then just move on. My dad always says this to me, and he says, if something bad happens. Go ahead and cry, do whatever you want, wail, whine, whinge, all you want. Right. But do it for five minutes and then just move on. Right. You know, just, just. So and I, I don't know. Your dad is this owner, right? Yeah, he was. So I guess I'm lucky in that sense. Right. I never right. thought of it that way, but I'm lucky in the sense that I've always understood that failure happens and that's alright. You know? My dad uh, rarely praised me, right. but it kind of makes me feel like, okay, you know. And that's when, the, don't you uh, think that's the acknowledgement that you need? Of course, like, same thing. Yeah. We, we grew up in the same family. Mom's yeah. always there. But we really want that father figure to actually say, boy, I approve you as a man. Like, Yeah. I think it's a guy thing as well, you know? Maybe. Maybe it's a different perspective on me because yeah. I'm a, I'm a guy. If I, maybe if I were to ask my brothers, they might feel yeah. slightly different as how I would feel. But for me, I feel that, you know, okay, for me, um, when it comes to my dad, I, um, I feel that, you know, Okay, regardless whether I did, I did well because I, I was I would I would say I was like a pretty good student back then as well. So regardless whether you know have I, I I you know I get good grades or bad grades, you know, it does I feel it doesn't really matter. So that's when I started to like shift my mindset. So instead of like um you know like trying to get this approval, why not I you know every decision that I make in my life is all about me, whatever that makes me happy, whatever that I think is you know, the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that's just that's me. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. I guess I'm lucky in that sense. I never realised it until I've spoken to you and you that, um, I don't know, I, I, I never felt like failure was a big deal and I never really felt that I needed to prove to my parents that I, I was something. They, were, they, just made, they, they just told me that, you know, in life, failure is going to happen. Not everything that happens now is going to matter in the future. Things like that. So that's why they were like, oh, I failed in chemistry whatsoever in high school. They're like, okay, fine, whatever. It's not going to be that important in the future. So, 
But if you want to be a pharmacist, might as well figure things out now. So they sort of let me, you know, choose what you want to do. So yeah, kind of, I, I'm lucky. That, maybe because I'm the youngest um, doctor yeah. as well. Because yeah. Are you guys like the eldest? I'm the eldest. You are as well? Yes, so, so you have like a younger, a younger sibling after you. Okay. Maybe because I'm the younger one. I'm the youngest one. So they are sort of um, seasoned right. parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My parents are already old by the time I was um, growing up. Right. But how, how, okay, like, for you, I guess I kind of know a little bit. Okay, so just to share with the audience, like, alright, compare, comparing, you know, you and your siblings, are you guys, like, pretty much the same, or you feel that you are, you in particular, you are, like, not a black sheep, but, you know, like, somewhat, like, a bit Grish. different. <laughs> in the I would, say, I would say I'm the most privileged amongst the five of us, number one. Okay. Um, I have five siblings, I'm the youngest one, number five. So I would say number one, I'm the most privileged one, and number two, I'm a bit more rebellious. Obviously, because I didn't get any beatings, even if I did anything bad. Everything, every time I did something bad, mum would always be there and say, "No, that's okay." You know, I'm sort of like mum's favorite kind of thing. But I, I don't want to say this because I know my siblings are hearing this on podcast. Chances are, but I would say I honestly feel like I am sort of um, different as compared to my the rest of my siblings. Because I feel like I have the mindset of a creator, of a right. not I mean, as, as you grow up, you, as I grow up, I, I you have that feel that I had that feel like I'm, I'm I'm gonna be or like you just a bit. I just felt like a bit different. Maybe yeah. because I was young and then I was you know sitting around adults, everyone you know constantly having conversation with adults, uh, even though as a child and whatnot. So right. even now, I feel. I feel this now because I'm in business. I'm the only one in business. I've got a sister who's kind of come into a business as well. So my parents sort of has has have this. Um, they're not trying to pressure me, but in a way they keep on planting it in my head. Hey, you've got a business. You need to help your brothers and sisters. They need to be independent like you. So right. you need to sort of make sure that our family, yeah, like you know, brainwash them to get into business as well. Not with you, but make sure that they start something their their own as well because the job market is so. Um, you know, inconsistent these days. So, my so I feel like that pressure of sort of taking care of my siblings mm-hmm. sort of falls on my shoulder because right. I don't know because I'm just because I'm the only one in business. But I've got a sister coming in. It's a little story because my sister is uh, quitting her job soon. Good for her. Well done. If you're listening to this, well done. Um, I'm so going that right. Yeah, well done. And then she's coming in. Um, Partly renting the office that we have, renting a desk, sort of hot desking, and um, so we're meant to help her out. And then my eldest brother is going to help her out with the business as well. So suddenly, I feel like the like the kaka right. sort of thing, you know, trying to like help them out. But it's you know gotcha. that pressure of like on your shoulder. But I hope it all goes well. Right. Right. So well, how Sorry, me? Yeah. Mm. Like, were you different, or do you have that feeling mm. as you grew, like when you were growing up, like? Like, like after, go ahead. Yeah, like I'm just different. Like the way, at least the way you think. You know, as you're growing up, right? Like, yeah. In fact, I told you that it took me five years to to to, to actually do something. Mm. Reason being because I was in a in in, in a environment where if I were to do this one thing, mm-hmm. everyone would be like, "Whoa, what are you trying to do?" Like, I mean, like um, from your family members. Or? Yes, family members, like circle I of friends I had. Oh, like example, alright, okay, so, example. What happened was, in my uni days, I started this, 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 this website. Mm. Build it. It took me a year for me to actually go out there and tell people, 
to record that video, that voiceover video, and say, hey, my name is blah, 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 uh -huh. and this is this website. It will help yeah. you, blah, 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 blah. Just to overcome that voice in my head, like, dude, just push it. Because at that point, I know that when I push this, what are my housemates going to think of me? What if my mom is going to think of me? What if my dad is going to think of me? Yeah. Oh, right. Like, so, so, so it's, for me, it's always been like very lonely at first. Uh -huh. But now I realize that when you take the first move, you start attracting people. When you do the scary things, yeah. you give permission for others who have that thought to go out and say, hey, I'm with you. Because the people that I have now, in fact, you reached out because of the UNMC Go website. You say, hey, dude, this is amazing. I've been thinking about this. Especially I'm saying I'll remember, but I, do, I can't. <laughs> but, yeah. You reach out to that. See, all my closest friend now is because I did something that is scary. They saw that and they, hey, I can relate to this. Mm -hmm. ah, right. So that's how this whole imposter syndrome, but I want to know how it affect your business because, yeah, it affects your self-esteem at first, yeah. the way you grow up, but how is this imposter syndrome plays into your business? And I want you to, I want people to, to, to be able to recognize that this thing is there, but you cannot let it affect your business. Oh. All right. How yeah. do you affect your business? And speaking of which, you know, I mean, since we are on the on the way show as well, so it's, I mean, essentially, on the way show is pretty much uh, like a like a platform where we share about you know like our journey, like our journey, journey. You know, yeah. I think the imposter syndrome has affected me in such a way that I become more scared to approach bigger companies. One number one, I I'm scared to approach let's say Maybank or even a company that has a hundred employees. It's not that big; it's a medium-sized company. I become afraid. Number one. Number two, I'm too scared to charge high. I'm right always, mm, I'm too, I'm, we're such a small company, maybe we shouldn't be charging um, 10,000 ringgit, maybe we should just charge mm, 3,000 ringgit, that's enough. And then we suffer, we, we've done that a million times. We give a lot of freebies and then end up regretting it and then not giving our, like you said, 100% of our you know, efforts because we get tired. And, when, it's where, where it's, and it's not fair to the client because it's not their fault. When it's just your inferiority, you have the inferiority complex, right. sort of. And for me, that's how it affected me. I'm afraid to um, approach bigger companies or more established companies, and I'm afraid to charge, you know, the the, right at the right price point. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to add to that, right? Like, I mean, I hundred percent I really agree because you think that by charging low, then and then you get the the sale, right? Then, okay, you can that, you know, like hey. You, you already won the the battle, mm. but until you kind of realize that okay, like shit, you know, I am charging too low, and it's not only affecting me, mm. it's affecting the client as well. Mm. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, if you, you want to charge low, you know, you have to think that you know, is it going to affect um, who's who's going to lose? Correct. You know? I think yeah, a more important right. question to ask: Will you be able to serve this guy your best with this price? Yeah. Yeah. But but here's the thing: because we were consuming a lot of that type of content when we were starting up this business. We were seeing a lot how, um, you know, Christo was telling us, don't charge too low because you won't be able to um, sort of deliver what you're meant to deliver for the client and all of that. So we started going crazy and started wanting to charge 10, 15, 20. Oh. <laughs> and it was just, it was, okay, honestly, if you just started out, begin with the smaller, smaller sales. I'm not saying that um, you should immediately start with 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 sales. 
I'm saying that you should start maybe one or two, try one or two sales, just to get your experience out there, really to just build, sort of not to build your portfolio, but more of a building a working culture within your company, and then only you upgrade and charge more. Yeah. Because don't make that because we made that mistake before. We're yeah, like, we okay, we're gonna it. charge you sixty thousand ringgit. That was this accounting auditing firm. Um, they were looking to rebrand, and they were an auditing firm. So I would say they had the money to pay, but. Um, so we were snobbish enough to think, yeah. hey, design is everything. We hadn't known mm. about brand strategy at the time. So in our head, we were snobbish designers thinking, if Christian Dior or you know, Christian Louboutin can um, charge you know, thousands for a pair of shoes or whatever, so we can, because they value design, right? So we should do the same. So what we did for a brand identity, and mind you, this was our first job, second job, um, yeah. As doing a brand identity, we went and charged them. Charged them how much? Sixty thousand ringgit. Of course, we didn't get the sale. Yeah, we didn't get a sale. But yeah. <laughs> to think back, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the the, 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 the lesson here is that okay, it's not that you can't charge high. <laughs> it says that you, you have to think that okay, uh, whether like is, is there like a fair exchange of uh, value, yeah. right? Because sometimes you think that hey, you know, my work is like. Whatever you know, and then but then you know if they don't see it, yeah, there's, no there, there's a chance that you know, um, yeah, they, like, you're just being delusional. Yeah, it's yeah. the same as uh, in terms of website. It's the same as if when someone says, "Hey, I'm going to customize the whole of my website," and then pay thousands ringgit for it when you can use templated websites because it depends on the use as well, right? So it's the same for the price. Yeah, because I I remember the uh, the, the last meeting that we had. Um, I think the first meeting uh, regarding the, the website and then um, I like the fact that when you mentioned that most people they don't know the full uh, potential of a website right. so that got me thinking because I have no idea because you know I thought that hey you know website is a website and then um, you know but then when we decided to like you know work together you know for, for you guys to actually build uh, our our website you know like even at that point of time, I don't really know what the the, the full potential of the website. Mm. Yeah, but I know that whatever you guys are doing is is gonna work. Right. Yeah, but like knowledge wise, I don't know. Maybe do you want to share with them? Like about Correct. I think, I think I think a lot of I take full responsibility for this because not all website developer or, or website designer make it a point to tell people that dude, your website is your business greatest asset. Mm. Mm. Just like, upfront. Yes, it's your storefront. When 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 people when people hear about you and then they Google about you and they see that they see that your website is <laughs> just like that. No, being sucky is one thing, but a lot of it is just like a listing. It's just like a menu. Oh, right. So but what I'm trying to change is what if you go on the website? Uh-huh. There's a salesperson explaining to you, "Hey, how can we help you? Hey." How would you like to check this out? Hey, here's the next additional value for you. And and, and when partners, other other businesses come into your website, they're like, hey, we can actually partner up with these guys because they're legit. They look legit. Sort so, of a physical store experience kind of thing. Right? Correct. It's online. Okay. I've started to realize that perception is everything. Like, this one analogy that I love using is that, dude, People don't care whether your kitchen is dirty or not. Mm-hmm. As long as the storefront looks good, mm-hmm. you'll get the customer. Like, nobody yeah, really goes to like the kitchen and see like, oh, how do you guys 
Uh, of course, Gordon Ramsay would, but majority <laughs> of I mean, yeah, no more people. Alright, so 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 the website is your first contact point of this perception thing. Mm. Now you can take it to the next level by building all this, putting all the salesperson inside, and uh. even crazier, you can even okay, you know. Think of it like this: companies that are being sold by million eh, for millions and millions of ringgit mm-hmm. is because they all have data. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, imagine, uh, upper. If you run Jaya Grocer, mm-hmm. I run. Give me another one. Eon Tesco. Mm. Okay. Yeah, Tesco. Right. Jaya Grocer, Tesco. So, on and we both has an online platform. Mm-hmm. My online platform before the checkout. They have to key in some points, and then I actually track who this guy is, and from the data I have okay, this guy is from Kapong, and the, the data says people in Kapong area loves to buy this this one chicken, chicken. Yeah. In, but you just have a website that say hey you can check out buy the chicken and that's it. You don't collect data. Mm-hmm. One day, Amazon decided to open in Malaysia. You have two options. Fight Amazon or sell your company to Amazon. If Amazon were to call out all the grocery store saying that, hey, who have all this data? Mm-hmm. Who do you think who do you think go can profit from this shit? Tesco. Me. Uh. Because all these are been collecting data of people. Okay. And tell Amazon that you wanna come in, sure, here's some data. Fifty right. million. Here's some data, 230 million. In fact, this is how this very one, this, this gentleman, Patrick Grove, he's, he, he, he bought iProperty, iCar, I mean, I can go a whole long story about him. But, but he bought it. Yeah, bought it, sell it off to Rupert Murdoch for, mm. for 560 AUD, and he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Just because he bought company, collect all, all these databases, mm-hmm. Sell it off to a bigger reach of people who can turn that data into real money. Um, of course, when I say this, you might think that, but we're not an e-commerce website. Babe. What do you mean? Like, how do you, right? Like, yeah, yeah, simple. You can offer something of value. Let's say you guys do design. It could just be a quiz on your website. On on to evaluate whether your brand is memorable or not. At the end of this quiz, they'll they'll get okay. Your score is seventy percent. Okay. Mm. But if you run traffic to that page and you have easily all the data of businesses in Malaysia, and then you know that seventy percent of businesses in okay, not Malaysia, you see KL, right. the average score is seventy, mm-hmm. or maybe the average score is thirty. With that data, you can do pretty much anything. If you want to sell that data, or if you want to come up with a product that helps solve, solve that. Mm. Ah. For data, these days. Right. Mm. So, okay. your website is a platform that if you can really think of it, think of it that iceberg picture that you see. Uh-huh. The tip is only like on the surface, but right. the but bottom is a huge thing. Yes. So, a lot of people do not see that huge thing. And that's, yeah, that's where my goal uh-huh. is now. Yeah. I want to tell people that, look, Build a website, of course, the first thing is have a menu about yourself. Mm-hmm. After that, start venturing into how do we put a salesperson there? How do we put a promoter there? Right. How do we put people who collect all this data? Mm-hmm. And how do we even scale our business with our website? Because I 
I mean, with you guys, you can see that when, when you guys need to build a website, I don't use any form. It's just on the website. I hop on the website and ask you a few bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. And that saved a lot of time. That allows us to scale. Like, I can employ some dude in Africa. Hey, go close all the African clients. If they agree, go to this link, put it up. So that's the real power of the website. It's your business greatest asset. So yes, guys, I'm plugging in the website now. Yeah, I mean, true, because I, I agree with that, because people tend to forget, people tend to think that like, a website is just a sort of an accessory to your business, when it Correct. should be, if you already have a storefront, it should be an impo- more important storefront Correct. as compared to your physical storefront. Because mm-hmm. imagine a, a physical store, you rely on foot traffic. This, Correct. for a website, you're relying on you know visiting traffic, whether or not people visit your website so I think people should yeah, I agree with you and, and that's, that's another mistake that a lot of website owners mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go through they think that once we build the website mm-hmm. the traffic will magically happen no, I don't think so yeah. take the analogy of a real life let's say if you open a brick mm-hmm. and, I mean bring, bring a mortar store, store. Mm-hmm. you open it you expect people to just what walk in magically yeah that, that's not what happens you have to put one guy at the front there shout, scream, dance, whatever it takes to get people into the store. And then in, once you're in the store, that means once you're in the website, there's a promoter, there's a salesperson explaining, hey, we're having this promotion, hey, should I try this free stuff? Right. I mean, making the yeah. effort of getting, gaining people's attention. Correct. So the, 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 the same. Yeah, correct. The, 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 the framework is the same shit. It's just that it's digitized, this one is in real life. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. takes a lot of energy, yeah. another one takes... Someone has to promote it as well. Correct. Yeah, 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 you have to talk about it. Yeah. And once you have that system, the cool thing about you doing it digitally, uh-huh. it's a one-time investment, one-off thing that you did, maybe you optimize. Once it works, it's just there. Like now your store is running 24 hours. There's someone working in your website. I like uh-huh. to use this term like no employee would work for you 24 hours, mm-hmm. but your website will. Oh, that's uh, good. Right. Yeah, that's right. good branding good, right there. Right? <laughs> that's good branding right there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we got it on camera. <laughs> so, I guess you have a a, a client right, that's doing branding uh, a branding work with us, mm-hmm. and they need a website. We know who to call. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Well, what what else did we wanted to talk about? Do you remember? <laughs> Yeah, we were like on a roll and I'm yeah, like, okay. No, right. <laughs> oh, like one thing I just mentioned is uh-huh. how important it is to talk about perception. Mm-hmm. Because I think our business coexists. Mm-hmm. Like people need a website, there's some sort of perception there. And of course, uh-huh. they need a proper brand strategy. Mm-hmm. How would you advise, like what are your, tell people maybe what the pointers on on, on, on how do you appear larger than life because right. I love the analogy of dude nobody has to know whether your kitchen sucks or not uh-huh. as long as people see at the front dude, everything is good trustable trust you, yeah. they are gonna pass the credit card import you right here's the thing about branding you don't control how people perceive you you try to influence how they perceive you but they're the ones who make the decision about the way they the way they perceive your company or your brand to be. And when we say perception, we don't mean um, and putting your um, best at the front. We don't mean your, uh, your how you look visually, just that. You know, I mean, 
I mean, of course, it, of course, you have to look visually appealing. Definitely, I think that's a bare minimum. It's not something that you should focus on, but I think you should focus on more of your um, brand strategy. Where, like you mentioned, the iceberg thing, the whole visual identity is the tip of the iceberg. You need to figure out the bottom, what's holding the tip at the top, which is that comes in where you, you your relationship with the customers. What is it that um, you're trying to achieve? What is your why? The reason you're being you're, you're in business, and then um, other than that is. Basically, trying to make your brand as if it was a person, because people can't seem to relate with you unless, unless you know they can feel a, a form of connection with you. I guess that's how I would say a branding comes in. So you, what I'm getting here is you're saying that I, I'm visually, mm-hmm. let's say I'm a brand visually. This is how I want to be perceived, mm-hmm. but it it goes much more than that. And every touch point, it will reinforce again. Like yes, and a lot of people make the mistake of like, okay, like, I look good. I look good mm-hmm. here. On social media, blah, blah, blah. When, 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 when the email comes in and someone starts inquiring, the experience is just... It's just sucky. Right. You know? They have like a beautiful logo, a beautiful colour palette, a typography that's out of this world. But they forget to build the relationship with their customer. And building a relationship, they think is just marketing, but this is part of your branding. The way you talk to your customers, this is a part of your brand strategy. For instance, we've got a client, um, he's got a good enough brand uh, visual identity, and we were, and his, I would say his social media was also good as well. But the problem was that it's not all this. It's just the fact that he's not, it's like he's talking to, his, uh, to the audience, but when the audience is talking to him, he's not talking to them back. Right. He's not talking with the, to the audience, right. they're talking at the audience. You know what I mean? They're right. not having a proper conversation. It, it's a one-way street. It's like I'm telling you, hey, this class is green. And then you say, I don't think so. And then you just like go to one of those and hey, this class is green. You just ignore the you know the audience that kind of thing. And I think that's a pretty common thing, right? Even mm-hmm. I fall trapped to that. Like mm-hmm. it's difficult to consciously like, hey, someone interact with your brand, mm-hmm. treat them like humans, speak back to them. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, probably it's an online thing that it creates this perception that now nah, you don't see me, you don't know me, so I, I can take all my time. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean I, when it comes to branding as well, I don't think that people have to um, brand, especially bigger brands, for smaller companies like us, it's much easier to be replying to each and every one. But for bigger companies, they, how can you show what kind of a person you are without having to speak to each and every one of your audience? Right. It's through your, other than your visuals, it's through the things that you say, the way you speak. You know how you have this voice when you read a book, you have this voice that you hear? So it's the same thing when you hear, let's say, a law firm, automatically in your head you're hearing a very boring, a very serious, intimidating man or woman that you feel, okay, I don't want to approach, as a young company, I don't want to approach a law firm. So I'm going to give an example. For example, my sister, she's coming up with an accounting firm, Sue. So she asked me, okay, I'm going to tell people, I'm going to share with them how to do uh, bookkeeping on their own, but I'm not going to share everything because I, I want them to subscribe to me. But that's the problem, and I'm going to use jargon so they don't really understand me and they're going to ask me. But I told her, you know what, we're in 2019, a lot of the business owners are young people like us. And this is just based on how I, I don't know how you feel about it. But I don't want to approach a lawyer or an accountant because I feel intimidated. I right. feel like, you know what, I'm just going to do my own bookkeeping. So they don't get the business from us because... Yeah, we feel intimidated. We feel like yeah, you use too much jargon. We're too dumb. Well, our company is not serious enough for an accountant. 
when, whereas everyone needs accounting, everyone needs financial management, you know. And she's not going to get uh, the bigger, bigger clients because they're all established now. They're going to hire EY, PwC, and all these bigger companies. So where does she follow? So I told her, you need to close the gap. Find your voice. Find your voice. And then don't be afraid to share because the market is so big. Right. Forget about, hey, I'm gonna, I have a 10 things. I'm going to share 8 things so they can come to me and I'll give them the other 2. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, 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 yeah. that's so powerful. Because groups do it. I mean, they are just, you know, some, someone can just tweet, like, or someone can just post it on Facebook or on Instagram. Hey, you know, I found this app. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. In fact, funny enough, you mentioned app uh-huh. accounting. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to, I mean, I use an accounting app mm-hmm. simply because it's, it's easy to use. Mm, yeah. But when easy to use is concerned, it's because the language is just, they say, upload this shit here, upload that shit. Yeah. Exactly. Not intimidating. It's just snappy you don't need right to, on point. Yeah, you don't feel like, you don't feel stupid. You don't feel like hey, I'm financially yeah. unsavvy. So I told her rather than because she said, but I need to keep this front of a professional. But you don't need to tell people, hey, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. I'm beautiful. I'm whatever. You don't need to tell people. You can just people can see that through your work, and people know that you're beautiful through your face. So they don't. You don't need to tell people I'm professional. Look at me use all these big words. Right. Other than that, explain to people why is it. You know, in the simplest language ever. And I mean, I guess designers are also guilty of this, where people use both. Yeah. I'm not a designer so much, but designers tend to use these jargons of like typography. To other people, it's just, okay, it's a font. Right. Or like color palette. It's, okay, it's just a set of colors. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. I guess, you know, um, one of the factors I would say it would be uh, insecurity. You know, so you feel that yes. you know, if you can one up the other person, yeah. at least you feel that you know, um, you feel safe, validated. Like, yeah, validated. I'm as guilty well. of that as well. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. yeah. So these are the things that we have to. I mean, we are still trying to um, break that habit. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I have that. Um, at times, I feel like, hey, maybe I should use a bit of a jargon to show them that I am a proper branding consultant. Yeah. Then I realize what's the point if you're not gonna understand it. But I'm guilty of that. So it's a habit that I'm still right. trying to break away from. And this is what you guys do. You guys help businesses scrape that trying to like oh like how how does this benefit new businesses so to speak? Maybe people listening here to are thinking to start a business or maybe start a business but struggle to get their first foothold in the market. What we do is that we change the perspective. Sometimes we change the perspective of your branding. Sometimes, like I said, an accounting firm, of course, the world has sort of imprinted in our mind that accountants need to appear professional. That's the thing. There's a billion other professional accountants. Our job is to help you figure out what is the thing that makes you different. Right. I mean, it sounds cliche, but what is the thing that makes you different without compromising on your prof- professionalism? Right. You know, so we're still professional, but what is it that you can do that can make sure that you can get? And that is through content. Through content, yes. Yeah. Other than which we yeah, I don't think we should dive into that. Oh, it's <laughs> a whole different topic. I swear, yeah. I can take all day. Right. But now, I mean, just just to, just to share a little bit, and then we are going to the direction of um, so. Uh, at UD Asia, we are trying to produce uh, content uh, that would actually help what, solopreneurs 
uh, new business owners, um, medium-sized businesses. Yeah, medium-sized businesses uh, as much as possible. Uh, when it comes to uh, branding and design, because you know there are currently a lot of other apps or uh, websites where you, you know you can actually create your own logo. Yeah. So, we don't focus so much on the design because I believe technology has taken care of that for us. So we're not a, a firm of labourers where you tell us, I need a new logo, we're going to design it for you, we need the most beautiful logo. We're a firm of thinkers. You tell us, you come up to us, you say you need a branding. Right, let's get to it. What is your company about? Who is your company? We get to the nitty-gritty of um, the details that makes your brand a human that makes it a personality, a character. We find out about the character. If, you're, if you come up to us and say, hey, I just need you to design a new logo or some packaging or whatever, well, okay, if you've got your branding, then perfect, just go online, you know, or like get a, a designer to do it for you because I think with these days, <laughs> a beautiful logo is, is not... Doesn't right. mean, you may get a nice website, a beautiful looking website, but it doesn't really achieve what you want it to achieve. Correct. It works like that as well. Yes. So, so that's UD Asia in a nutshell. Not, yeah. in, um, not, so, not so much of a nutshell. So what would be, let's say, if, 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 if I were to start a new business, because mm-hmm. you mentioned about content, you mentioned about finding your voice, what's that one thing that I can do right away mm-hmm. that will give me an unfair advantage over people? Because I realise that Sooner or later is the game of authenticity. Like mm-hmm. whoever is the realist, mm-hmm. whoever has the most human character, mm-hmm. whoever sounds the most human, mm-hmm. not, not whoever sounds the most robotic, will get the business. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for, let's say, if I were to start a new business, mm-hmm. how would I apply the branding aspect of whatever you guys are teaching into? Into a brand new company. Correct. Like I think the most essential thing. Start small. Uh, other things you can will fall, will, you know, will fall in place. But the very first thing that I think you should think about is your what, how, and why. And what I mean by it, it's not something that we came up with. It's actually by Simon Sinek. I think a lot of you, a lot of them know about it. So basically, just figure out what is it that your company does. Don't don't be generic in a sense that hey, we're an accounting accounting firm but you don't really know what your services that you are providing. Don't be a, what do you call that? A firm that does everything, you know? So figure out what is it that you do. That's simple, everybody knows what they're doing. Figure out how you're doing things that are different. Um, how you're doing, this is usually your USP. How are you doing things that's different as compared to the other competitors in the industry. But the most important thing is that, why are you doing it? What's the purpose of you putting up this whole firm itself, you know, waking up in the morning and why should anyone care why you have this firm? Right. Well, because once you have this quiet, for example, I'm going to give you an example. Um, a guy that sells honey, we have a client. What he does is that he is he sells honey and how he does it is that he sources honey from um, Egypt, which is not something that many people do, right? So, uh, most people source it from, I think, Australia. And then why he does it is for the health, to improve the health in Singapore. Right. So once he knows his why, Immediately, he knows what's, what are the kind of content and what is the kind of voice he should be portraying on the internet to be talking ah, to the audience. So right. all he talks about, it's not, the, not just the benefits of um, honey. So people know that, okay, this guy's mission is all about improving the health right. of Singapore and moving people from eating 
processed right. sugar into using honey. So that's the why. So can, can, wow, it's so simple yet so powerful. Can I just say, for the sake of our audience, mm-hmm. figure out what's your what, figure out what's your how, mm-hmm. figure out what's your why, mm-hmm. and document that shit, post on social media. Yep. Yes. yes. But easier said than done. Correct. Is it said that none? Because it sounds easy when we do it because we yes. already know. Right. But and don't worry about changing your why. Even yeah. over time. You know, over time you you might change your why, you might even change your what, you might even change your how. Don't worry. Just it's something to get you going so that you have a sense of direction on where you're going. You're not just your business is not just alive with no, you know, goals and mission. Right. But that philosophy is correct. You know, yeah. it's, it's like because chances are you are not, I mean, in terms of your product or your services, it's not that unique. Chances are there are a lot of other businesses who are doing the exact same thing. So that's your what. Your how, you might be, I mean, the way you do things might be slightly different. Let's come back to what yes. But your why, you know, everyone's why is unique. Right. Yeah, you, you can have, you know, like, you know, we can have like 10 branding agencies, but I believe that every why is different. Yeah. Everyone has their own journey, right? You know, and, I mean, and every, it doesn't yeah. always have to be that you're trying to solve a country's problem or a bigger problem. It might be because I became a lawyer because I wanted to prove that my dad was innocent, something like that. It can be whatever your reason is. It doesn't matter. But whatever your reasons may be, it may be because I started an accounting firm because my parents got cheated. Now, I'm trying to help other people not to get cheated. Right. So you share this with people and people who feel connected to you will connect to you. Don't worry about trying to make a connection with everyone in the world. Because you won't. That's the worst thing. That's the worst thing that you can do. Because you don't want to be a template, a robot that is connected to everyone. It's like, if you want to connect to everyone, you're no one. So deep. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, hashtag quotes. (laughs) Cliche is the sound. Figure out your why, speak it out to the world, and then watch people can relate to you or come to you. Is that... Yeah, yeah, you put it. Right. So before we end this podcast session, I really want to ask this question. Yeah. What is UD Asia's wine? What's UD Asia's wine? Why are we doing what we did? Right. Okay, sorry. Because? Because I think, okay, this is at least for me, I think, okay, to explain what is it that we do, we do a brand, we are brand consultants, and the way we do things is through sprints. A specific frameworks that get through you, that gets you through the process and gets you the results. So why do we do things? Number one, we believe that every complex problem has a simple solution, and we think that building a brand. We get so annoyed seeing how, you know, designers talk about oh it's so hard and charging fifty thousand, sixty thousand, seventy thousand for a simple branding identity. We believe that building a brand shouldn't be that hard. It's not easy, but it shouldn't be hard. So that's why. We do what we do. We could have done other things, but that's what we do. Right. So where do people figure about you? Where do people follow you? Right. And yeah. I'll let you share that. So what, what, what was where, where, do, where, where can people us? follow you? Yeah. Where can people alright. So right now we are on Instagram. But coming next week, which I I don't know when you're gonna post next Correct. podcast, right? By by the time you guys actually listen uh, to this podcast, right, we will be on YouTube. We'll be on uh, Instagram, we'll be on LinkedIn, we'll be on our website, hopefully our website will be done by then, and then uh, we'll be on um, Spotify. If you're looking for us on YouTube, you can find us at UD Asia, and for Spotify, you can search for hashtag the BBB show, or 
brands, business, and brunch. And for website artists and wine sharing where people can connect with you. You can follow me on Instagram, <laughs> website artisan. I'm pretty sure you guys will write in the footnote. Yeah, right. And our website, if you want to learn more about what we do, it's www.websiteartisan.co.com. And yeah, if you want to follow me personally, it's at Fitri Joroji, J O R O J I. I believe I'm the only one in the world with that name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a nickname. Yeah. Uh, it, everyone funny that my dad, everyone thought my dad is Japanese. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. He's he's Sarawakian. Uh, yeah. So yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Alright. So thank much. you guys for. And many thanks to thanks you like for coming yeah to you and your and our audience who are listening to this podcast or watching this and don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> um, this subscribe. has been uh, the BBB Brands Business and Brunch. I'm Fahara Nodin, and with me I've got Missy Ismail and Suti Toroji of Website Artisan. Thanks so much for tuning in and subscribe to our YouTube. Bye bye. Bye. Yay! Ah, yeah. How do you do it? ATP, though.